We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Brendan Nunez from the Kings Pulse Podcast. Brendan, what's going on? Doing good, James. Uh, trying to keep track of who went where on quite a hectic day that seemed like it could be quiet, but of course had late fireworks that went out throughout the course of most of the day. But I'm, I'm doing good, just trying to collect myself and get an understanding for what the Western Conference looks like now. It's wild, isn't it? Um, Very. Okay, so let's just get uh, the business out of the way. Um, number one, Sean will be joining us shortly, hopefully. Um, it's... A little after nine. Hopefully he'll be here in like the next 10, 15 minutes. And he'll just jump right in and, and join the conversation. Uh, between now and then, we'll probably break down more of what happened today as far as other teams. Uh, because, of course, the Kings didn't do anything. Um, you know, give or love it, hate it. It is what it is at this point. They decided to stand pat at the trade deadline. But... Um, Brendan, outside of that, we've got, uh, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up if you can. Uh, if you are not a subscriber, uh, jump on board here on YouTube and, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're a uh, not a premium subscriber to the Kings Beat, you should jump on board there as well, kingsbeat.com, uh, or down in the description, you can find the link. Uh, that gets you access to everything that we do here at the Kings Beat. Um, and that would be greatly appreciated. Um, outside of that, uh, Brennan, this is your second go around with the NBA trade, trade deadline. And it's a little wild, right? Like how did you fare this time versus last year when, you know, it was your first go around and the Kings end up trading a guy that you like had a really good relationship with and Tyrese Halliburton, uh, and you know, they bring in this new guy in Demona Sabonis, but like, can you compare and contrast a little bit by what you saw last year and what you're seeing this year? Yeah, obviously last year was very different, and I, I would say more hectic from Sacramento's specific point of view. 
caught me and pretty much everybody else uh, pretty off guard and, and getting my first perspective of just what it means for somebody to be traded in them just feel like they no longer exist. Specifically, you get traded to the Eastern Conference and it's just like we never will see Tyrese Alverton ever again, it feels like, um, which <laughs> is weird. But this uh, deadline, obviously different from the perspective of hoping Sacramento would do small things. Of course, after what happened last year, I don't rule anything out. You know, we've heard that they don't want to trade Keegan Murray. It's like, okay, well, heard the same thing about Tyrese Halliburton. So I wasn't going to rule anything out necessarily, but except expected smaller moves. And most of the guys that we had heard that were linked to the Kings ended up getting moved for a handful of second round picks. It feels like most of the, most of them and Sacramento sat on their nine second round picks and didn't do anything except pick up Kessler Edwards. So drastically different from last trade deadline, but still had me sitting there on the edge of my seat till the end of end of it. What about from your perspective, somebody that's covered it for over a decade? Like, was there anything unique about this deadline to you? Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, it seemed like things, it was really quiet. Like over the last week, it's been really quiet. Uh, part of that is because the Kings were on the road. Uh, part of that is because I'm not sure that the Kings were involved fully in in deep discussions on a lot of things. I, I think that they they did have like, you know, they, they were testing the waters with a few things. But um, I don't know that I've ever gone through a trade deadline where like the team did nothing. So like not to disrespect Kessler Edwards here, um, but uh, like we have almost 80 people in here. Of the 80 people in here, can we all raise our hands and say that you knew who Kessler Edwards was before, like, two days ago? Um, like when, the when Woj is tweeting that he's going to spend time with Stockton, I, I feel like it's fair to say they kind of did nothing. Yeah, and when the guy literally gets introduced to the media in Sacramento after a practice in just a scrum setting and literally starts talking about him playing in Stockton— um, that, that really does mean very little. Like, so, I mean, he's at least like, like, I don't want to be disrespectful to the kid. Uh, he's 22 years old. He went to Pepperdine, six foot eight, six foot 11 wingspan. Um, he's got length. He's got athleticism. He can shoot the three ball. Um, he's played really well at the G league level, uh, and that's fine. But we're realistically talking about like maybe a defensive downgrade from Casey Akpala and a slightly better offensive player. And that's not exactly what you expected coming into this trade deadline. I mean, the the Kings, like, they have holes to fill. I think that might be the the strangest thing in my book. It's just that it's not like you're a bad team and the trade deadline doesn't really matter uh, and you're just waiting out a bunch of expiring contracts. And it's not like you're so good that you didn't have any holes to fill. So that to me is where I kind of like get confused with what happened here in the, at this trade deadline. And I mean, look, these things happen. Um, I can honestly say I disagreed vehemently with uh, the Kings draft night uh, as well. I thought they did not do enough on draft night. Uh, I thought they, you know, shouldn't have just given away their second round picks. Um, I, I thought that they should have been able to get more value for the number four pick than what they did. And that's not to like, again, disparage, keegan murray at all i just keegan murray would have been there at number five if you would have traded from four to five and worked out some sort of swap so there were th some things there that i disagreed with as well 
Um, but this one here, like, I don't know, Brendan, like to watch a team that has like visible issues on the court, they're fun. They're, they're winning. They're a third seed. As of right now, they're on pace to win 47 games. This has been the most dramatic turnaround in, in, you know, 16 years for this team. But at the same time, you could, you could see the issues that they have. It's not like they're, they have flaws and there's nothing wrong with having flaws as a team, but it's sort of on the GM's job to continue to work within the confines of salary cap and, you you know, trade deadlines and all that stuff to, to fill some of the holes that you have as, as a team. And they didn't do that at the, at the deadline. So that's where I think this one was so much different than any trade deadline that I'd ever seen before because a lot of times again trade deadlines don't matter when you're not good and you have no chance of being good and you're either selling off players or you're just trying to make some moves just to shake things up in the second half and get a look at players that's kind of not where the kings are at this point and so uh that's where I was slightly like caught off guard by this this uh trade deadline and what's weird is that it feels like every single team in the west made a move except the Kings. Again, Kessler Edwards is is still a move. I actually think Kessler, Kessler Edwards is interesting, but he's not doing anything this year, right? It's like an upside swing. Maybe he becomes something. He doesn't change anything for this season. But you look at, like, Denver needed a backup center just like the Kings did. They went out and got Thomas Bryant. Um, the Grizzlies were able to add a little bit of shooting. Dallas obviously added Kyrie Irving. The, the Clippers went out and added... Eric Gordon, Mason Plumley, and there's one other name up for Bones, Bones Highland. Highland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Suns went and got Kevin frickin' Durant. The Pelicans got Josh Richardson. The Timberwolves, you know, we'll, we'll see how that move ends up going, but they did something. Golden State got Gary Payton. Like, I just went through the top nine teams, every single team except the Kings. Portland went out and got Matisse Thibel. and. Right. You know, they got rid of Josh Hart and they got rid of Gary Payton, uh, but they, they got Thibault, they got uh, Cam Reddish. Like, I don't know if they improved themselves, uh, but they're a hot mess either way. I don't know that it really matters. Even, like, Denver. Yeah, Denver, Thomas Bryant. Like, that's a nice pickup. Denver, like, we kind of put them in the same category as the Kings where the second that their big center stepped off the court, like, their whole entire world goes to hell in a handbasket. And so, like, adding a guy who can actually play, who has physicality, who has the ability to shoot the ball, who can block shots a little bit, and, like, Thomas Bryant, you know, rolled over the Kings. What, he put up 29 and 12, 29 and 14, one game against the Kings? So, so anyway, like, yeah. Is that sort of the surprising thing to you? Like, I, I personally, I really like Mike Connolly going to, uh, going to Minnesota, instead of D'Lo. I think he's a player that, that accentuates, like, first of all, he's a, he's a better teammate, but he also, like, can bring out better things in some of your players, including Anthony Edwards, who you're trying to develop, and he can actually further that development. Uh, and, and so I, I like that move. There's a lot of moves that just on paper I like. Who knows how they all work out in the end, but I think it's pretty crazy, especially when you, you talked about how many how many of the teams in the top 10 or 11 actually made moves. And that's without even mentioning the Lakers who are currently sitting at 13, but 
went out and got in it in the whole West is obviously close, but went out and traded Russell Westbrook, Juan Scano Anderson and Damian Jones in a first for D'Lo, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. Like that is a much better team right now. I was surprised that they were able to get that much for what they gave up. So I, I think it is interesting, um, an interesting perspective for sure to see everybody around the Kings do things and them stand pat. But I will say, I don't know how many of these moves I look at and I'm like, that makes them better than the Kings. You know, I, I, I worry about that, but I don't know how many I look at and say confidently, this for sure makes them better than the Kings. Maybe there's some teams that I already felt like were maybe going to piece it together. Um, I don't know that I was betting on the third seed to stick around forever. The most important thing is just staying in the top six at this point. And I think that's where the worry is in my mind is that I don't know that every single one of the moves I listed is catapulting the team that made that move into um, a, a couple more wins or anything. Some of these are not going to work, but the Kings have to make sure that they can stay within this top six. Yeah, I mean, when we look at all the trades, um, if if the Lakers would have pulled off that trade maybe like, I don't know, maybe a month ago, then I, I would fear them a little bit more as far as like catching the Kings. Um, but, you know, when you look at who they, they bring in, Rui Hachimura, so we have to add that to sort of their haul, Jared Vanderbilt, um, Mo Bamba, uh, like what else are we talking? Malik uh, Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, they swapped out like five or six of the rotational pieces, and most of the rotational pieces they brought in uh, I like better, to be honest. I, I like better than what they had before. I think they fit better. They got more shooting. They got better length uh, out of out of the deal. You know, you lose a little bit of intensity and stuff with Pat Bev. Uh, you lose the the wild craziness that is Pat uh, that is uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, but overall, like I think they got better. I don't worry about them as far as like tr like finding a way to catch the Kings. But I do worry that if the Kings are like a seven seed and have to do the play in tournament that you could end up playing LeBron James and a play-in in a one-game tournament, or you could end up playing Steph Curry. And that's something that I think the Kings should, at all costs, try to avoid at this point, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's not a team you want to see in the playoffs. And, and I think a lot of what has to do here is what each individual person defines this season as a success how they do that because yeah. to me I, I think a first round exit is still a very successful season for this Kings team if they get absolutely pummeled that's a different story right but if they look semi-competitive in a first round playoff series like we've heard coach Brown talk so much about the importance of playoff experience and I know he talks about further in the playoff high leverage games than the first round but I think it's so important for some of these guys specifically De'Aaron Fox um, Keegan Murray DeMontis Sabonis somewhat falls into it, even though he's had a couple first-round exits, um, to get continued playoff experience. And I, I think a lot of this conversation is going to have to do with what people define as a successful season this year. Well, what do you define? What, what's your definition? I think being competitive in the first round, like making the okay. postseason and being not getting destroyed in the first round of the playoffs pretty much. I, I got to be honest. My definition isn't that. It's not even that. My definition is making the playoffs. Like, if they get an 0-4 in the playoffs, that's okay. I'm with you. It's about the experience, about playing 
competitive basketball in the last 28 games of the season. The last, the post all-star game is always where the game really cranks up, where the competition cranks up and it, it just is what it is. Like a lot of teams do dog it until they get to the, the, uh, all-star break. They, they take the week off, they get prepared and then they come out and you see a really different brand of basketball from everybody. And I mean, that's not me saying that, that you can look, we, we saw Mike Brown talk about it today at, at King's practice. Uh, Jay Triano got on the radio and talked about it. It just is what it is. Like this second, uh, the post all-star game schedule is really like the ramp up to the playoffs. And like, if the Kings are somehow like they, they're the six seed and they actually, they go into a first round matchup and whether that's the Suns or it's the Pelicans or it's you know, God knows who, like there's so many teams that could be the three seed, the four seed, the five seed at this point, um, then I think that's hugely successful. I mean, the Kings, I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in 16 years. Like you need to give your fans something to be positive about. And the two games would be sold out and crazy and wild and so much fun. And it would be a reward for so many years of ineptness. Um, but that's where I kind of keep coming back. Like, there, there's a point where like you're risking not being in that that top section and there there's a big difference like even like we'll talk to Sean about this in a few minutes Sean will be here uh, between you know the plan and the playoffs. The plan is not the playoffs. It does not count for playoff totals, nothing. It's as if the game never happened. There is no like you can't go to basketball reference and find the play in game. Maybe you can. Maybe it's hiding somewhere, but <laughs> but it's not like considered part of the playoffs, right? Uh, so that to me is what the Kings should be aiming for is to make the playoffs. And for a long time, I think it was just like, hey, can you be a 10 through 10, uh, uh, well, an 8, 9, 10, 11 team and somehow squeak into the play and, and get yourself in and have that experience. But when you've held on to the three seed for the better part of like, I don't know, what is it, five weeks? six yeah. weeks, I, I, whatever it is, it's a long time. Then you have to, at some point, like change your mentality about who you should be. And I would like to see this team. I mean, if they could host a first round series, that would be incredible. Right. But if they can make the playoffs and actually get a seven game series, even if that series only lasts four games, uh, to me, that's still a huge success this season. It's a success for Mike Brown. It's a success for Monty McNair. It's a huge success for De'Aaron Fox, who is, one of the players that snaps the curse, um, just everybody involved. I think it makes it easier to sign Demonis Sabonis. I think it makes it easier to develop players and to maybe even make yourself a marketable place to go to in the off season when the Kings have a bunch of cap space. But I think that's sort of what should be the goal in, in my mind. I agree. Absolutely should be. I, and I still have confidence that that will happen. I don't, I worry more obviously after today and yesterday last couple of days of events and and just the trades that went down in the league recently but I, I still think the kings are in this top six there's obviously other teams to worry about um but can can i throw a trade at you of somebody that we talked about a lot and use an example of what i wish the kings would have done for example yeah we've, let's hear it we've talked about mason Plumley a ridiculous amount of times on this podcast yes that's my for fault. good reason. No, for for good reason though. Like I see yeah. why he is the ideal backup to Domas, right? And for him to get traded for Reggie Jackson, who's getting bought out 
in a single first uh, second round pick. Like that's a little surprising, no? And and one of those things that you could look at and it's like why could the Kings not have gotten involved? And there's details to everything that um I'll, I'll never get full clarification on, but that's that's weird to me. Like that's an example of a trade that is frustrating from my perspective. Yeah, I, I think so too. And like the Kings have 11 first, uh, second round picks over the next seven years. Nine available to them because two Nine of them are locked yeah. up in that indie deal. Yeah, they can't trade their own in 26 and 27 because there's potential for those to go in exchange. Okay, so if the Kevin Herter pick isn't relayed, I'll just keep, I'll go through this so people know. The 20, it's uh, the Kevin Herter trade, they traded protected first round pick. It's 1 through 14 in 2024, 1 through 12 in 2025, and 1 through 10 in 2026. If it's not relayed in 2026, it becomes the Kings 2026 and 2027 second round picks, right? Um, So they can't trade those. But outside of that, that still leaves nine second round picks. And second round picks don't have the same weird restrictions that first round picks do as far as Stepien rule. And the Kings were able to, okay, so this last offseason, they pretty much gave one away for Sasha Vazenkov, who God knows if he'll ever play in the NBA. Like, there is nothing that says that that guy is going to come over to the NBA. He just got a new three-year deal in Europe. He can get out of that deal, um, but he now wants, like, major money. And he's also probably going to win, like, a EuroLeague MVP. So why would you go from being a superstar in Europe everywhere you go to a bench player in Sacramento. I mean, that's a little that's a little dicey unless your goal is just to be uh, an NBA player uh, and that's it. Um, but then the Kings also, uh, the next one was what, Jaden Hardy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they traded that, was it for two seconds? Two I believe features? it was. They do have the Dallas 24 and 28 seconds that I'm assuming are from that deal. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they, they do have... Uh, second round picks but the reason i bring these up is that this group of of front office people it was those second round picks by the way it was those two yeah 24 and 28 okay yeah this group doesn't necessarily value second round picks all that much i mean they they in the first year that monty was running the team he drafted uh jamias and robert woodard and then the next year he just flat out bit the bullet and waived them and had to pay out Robert Woodard's salary for this year as well. Um, so again, there's not, he, they, they haven't valued them. They used a second round pick on the Mia's Keda, but they also gave up other like portions of a second round pick in that draft. Um, so we're watching this weird thing play out in this particular trade deadline where Jay Crowder went for five second round picks. <laughs> and uh, what did the, the Warriors were able to acquire five second round picks, I believe, and then trade them for uh, Gary Payton II mm-hmm. uh, with Portland. So second round Josh, picks. Josh Richardson went for four with a weird salary in Devontae Graham. Yeah, but... that's a, a weird caveat. There's uh, there's a lot of salary that went in that one. Um, but yeah, like second round picks became like, I don't even know what they are at this point. Like, I mean, first round picks have kind of become the same way, but second round picks, like we hadn't seen that before. They're, they're almost like, just like coupons that people are throwing around, you know, like when you go to like 
like a crab feed and they give you two drink coupons and then like a bunch of people oh i don't drink and so someone like ends up with like 17 drink coupons and just starts drinking all the the drinks um that's what this kind of feels like second round picks have just become like these fake things that people are just passing around except for the kings they they didn't choose to use their second round picks um and and so when it comes specifically to the Plumley deal like would you have done that deal for sure like i i don't understand like there's no downside what is alex len excuse me and terrence davis being the matching salary like the downside from charlotte's perspective like i don't understand i guess for sure i would have done that i would have put in another second round pick no issues you would have gone two second round picks yeah would you have probably yeah i I think so yeah I, i mean like why not right like if you're actually getting a functional player and like look the kings have a variety of second round picks so that means that you can kind of sift through the second round picks and see ones that like either make sense or don't make sense i'll also point this out reggie jackson makes 11 million bucks like the kings could have got the mason Plumley deal done for like i think alex lynn and casey Paula. Like, it could have been, like, one of their lower-level players that they traded in exchange. There's also, like, while we're talking about Charlotte, there's a second deal that the Kings maybe should have got involved with, with involving Charlotte, where Jade McDaniel goes from Charlotte to Philadelphia, and Philadelphia sends Thibel to Portland. Uh, Portland sends two second-rounders to Philly, and Philly sends a second-rounder to Charlotte, I bring up this deal because this is one of those weird deals that if you would have pulled off two days ago, the Kings could have used the $4 million trade exception from Tyrese Halliburton. And so instead of uh, Philly taking on Svi Michaela's uh, like $1.9 million salary, you could have just given them nothing and they would have been okay. Like they would have got a second round pick a- instead of Svi. And like, so they could have done, they could have got a second round pick for Jaden McDaniels without actually giving anything up. And again, the Kings, I know this morning, the Kings were in on Matisse Thibel this morning. I had actually heard that like many people believed that they were going to get Thibel this morning and then it didn't materialize. So like, again, that's one of those weird is like I don't think that he's a world beater, just like I don't think that Mason Plumley is a world beater, right? But the combination of these players make you a deeper team. Um, okay, so hang on one sec. We've got uh, we've got our friend Sean Cunningham here. Oh, so, snap! Uh, we're going to add in Sean Cunningham. Three, two, one. Sean Cunningham has been added. Then we're going to do an overlay, and then we're going to swap. Boy, these are all out of place. <laughs> hey, look at that. Ayo, on the fly. Oh. Oh, and now Sean's microphone's He's a Decepticon. He is a Decepticon. <laughs> Wait. Oh, no, that's not good. Can you say, where's the AllSpark? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Brendan Hunas knows the Decepticons and the AllSpark. This is a, a new high. Uh, Sean, you got us? No. <laughs> okay. Let's try to unplug that thing and plug it back in or do something. Um, 
Interesting. Okay, well, Sean Cunningham will be back. Uh, we'll keep going here. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my two cents on the the whole Jalen McDaniels, uh, Thibel sort of situation. And, and Josh Hart is technically a part of this deal, too. Um, like, all, all three of those guys, I think, are people that obviously would have helped the Kings and coming at different prices. I don't know that if they got Thibel, I guess I would feel better from the standpoint of fe- feeling glad that they did something. I still am not 100% that Thibault would be a like, staple in the rotation because of his offensive shortcomings. I, I think that he's better than KZ, and I think he would have his moments. I still think there's value there. Um, Jalen McDaniels, I do have, like, there, there's some off-court stuff that makes his situation a little complicated. It's why he got drafted so late. Um, and he does have some weird stuff, doesn't he? he, he weird, for sure. Um, yeah, Brennan, do you want to get into the weirdness? Stuff. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I, I'm going to pass on that one. Um, but you know, I don't know how much I, it's not like to me that, oh, if the Kings got Matisse Thibel, I would feel so much better about today. I think that there's major moves with some teams in the West that make me skeptical that they are going to hop the Kings. Um, but obviously I would have felt better if I, if they made some minor moves like this, it's to me more so some of these bigger ones that I look at and, or it's like, okay, this is concerning for maybe how the landscape of the Western Conference ends up looking. Okay, so I'll, like, my response to that is this. Like, look, I I know that Thibel has limitations. Uh, Sean is back. Let's see if we got him. Sean, you got us? No. Oh, wait. It's a really funny voice, Sean. I don't know what's happening there. Like maybe pl- unplug your mic and plug it back in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, that's what it kind of sounds like. Your mic is like you're getting some sort of weird feedback. Um, anyway, so I'll continue with my point and hopefully Sean is able to figure this situation out. Um, you got us, Sean? Check one, two, check one, two. <laughs> <laughs> It's you a lot switch, funnier than it should just, be. Yeah, just switch to your earbuds. <laughs> just switch your earbuds for tonight. Can you do that? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> that's wild. Let's see. Let's get us all back in line here. There we go. Sean, are you here now? Oh, he's still. We're still waiting for Sean to. to... Well, now a little bit better. There we go. There we go. Okay. God, that was a great noise. Can you? Can you tell me what it sounded like? Like I don't know. You were like a long lost cousin of Alvin and the Chipmunks. It was... Yes. Really? Um, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. What was the the Little Red Riding Hood movie? Um, <laughs> God. We, uh, and the, there's a little squirrel that goes, Dinamite. <laughs> like, you sounded like this. Oh, little... hoodwinked. Oh, no. Hoodwinked. What? Wow. I'm What's on one happening? today. What is happening? <laughs> You're hitting all the right movies for me. I was prepared. Yes. There we go. There we go. Wow. Um, amazing. I don't, I don't even know what's happening. He's. It, it did sound like. <laughs> Brendan Autobots. knows movies all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Something happened. Brendan I think he fell movies, and hit yeah. his head. Um, so I'll get back to my point with Thibault. Like, look, I don't think Thibel is going is going to change everything. I don't. But what I do know is that if you're in a seven game series, 
and you're matched up against the Dallas Mavericks, I feel better with Thibault going up against Kyrie Irving or Luka Doncic than I do any player that's on the Kings roster today. If I'm in a seven-game series against Steph Curry or a seven-game series against Damian Lillard or a seven-game series against name that elite guard in the NBA, I would rather have Thibault on my team than not have Thibault. He's 25 years old. He's a uh, His contract's expiring, but he's a, a restricted free agent at the end of the summer. He's not going to cost a lot of money because what happened and the way he kind of like he he's viewed in Philadelphia. So like he's a guy that I think you could he could be part of the build going forward and he's also he I would look at him as an insurance policy in case you can't bring back uh or you, he just won't come back uh Harrison Barnes next offseason. At least you have a guy that you can put at the small forward spot and then you build from there. And so like I was surprised that the Kings didn't do more to close that deal just because like, I know like I've heard rumors that Mike Brown really liked him um, and would like to have had him on the team. Um, And it's just one of those players that like, whether he is a perfect fit or not, you know, probably not because of his offensive liabilities, but at the same time, he's a great defender. I mean, second team, all NBA two years in a row. I don't know. Sean, what are your thoughts? On Matisse Thibel or just the day in general? Well, you can give us a day in general because we can kind of go there. Um, just because you haven't you haven't been here and you know we haven't talked a bunch of crazy stuff, but um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly understand disappointment that that you're not seeing a few more Kings new faces added to this Kings roster. I, I can I I can get that. Um, my whole thing is you know it's I think it's because I tend to look at this. Uh, and I would I would imagine the organization does too beyond just this season. And I think that that can be a bitter taste, a bitter pill for some people to swallow. Um, looking at this and saying, oh, you're third in the West. You got to go for it. You got to position yourself to not only sustain that third seed, but possibly do better, possibly go deeper. Just position yourself to, to put your best foot forward and make the most of this playoff run. And I don't disagree. I just think a lot of the uh, a lot of the noise that's out there is noise that's out there for one that doesn't have a whole lot of accuracy to it. Um, I mean, there's people, I mean, I'll use James. I mean, we've been doing this a long time. There's people that kind of step their foot in a lot of agent speak over the past of the past few, few weeks and few months. And certainly you can have interest in somebody. You can talk to people about certain guys, but your level of interest varies from person to person. And just cause you might like what somebody might, be on paper and add to your team the how aggressive you'll you'll pursue that person is is a different story and not wanting to screw with the chemistry and and mess up a good thing that they have here even if they think it might be fool's gold even if they think that they've bought themselves a lot of equity by being the third seed maybe they don't believe it what however you look at it i think that they're positioning themselves they position themselves to be better than maybe what they anticipated to be so you're uh, already kind of ahead in that regard. Now we're talking about changing and you know trying to compete in the West, and and I get all that. I think there were a lot of moves made out of desperation today. I think there's a lot of people that overpaid for certain pieces um, over the past week, and I think the Kings told themselves we're not going to be one of those teams that that we might like a Matisse Thybul or a 
Josh Richardson or or pick your poison, whichever person, Mason Plumley, and you might have in your mind what you're willing to to part with to in order to obtain a player like that. But the reality, guys, is you add any one of those pieces, you're still a bad defensive team. One guy doesn't come in and change all of that, particularly when they're a person that's towards the back end of the rotation. So we're talking about someone that's coming in, maybe getting 12 minutes max, and certainly it could help your team, but it could also hurt your team. We've seen what chemistry gets screwed up with in the in the past, um, with with previous trades and things that you know. When you you talk about the Justin Jackson and the Amon Shumpert deal, and look, I'd make that trade ten out of ten times to bring in somebody like Harrison Barnes. But the fact of the matter is that screwed with the chemistry of that team. It's just a fact. It did. Oh and yeah, yeah, it did. For so sure. so look, I I I I, I want to caution people and say like, look, there just because you hear the report that a team might be interested. That's all it is, is interest. I mean, when you get down to, you know, nut cutting time, what are you giving up for that? And it's what I've been alluding to. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because, you know, it's, it's, it, you have an idea of what you're willing to go with. And again, another man's trash can be another man's treasure. Well, I don't think that was the case. I think what, what today taught us was uh, the Kings aren't going to move, react out of desperation. They're not going to try to um, throw away things that they feel could be in the best interest for the future for somebody that's not going to amount to a whole hell of a lot of rotational minutes. Um, and I also feel like, yeah, I love that. That's a Brad Millerism that cut in time. Um, but I also feel like, you know, they like where they're at and I'm going to take them at their word, you know, let, let them get this experience. And yeah, who knows what it, what it happens or, you know, everyone else got better. And I think Mike Brown went out of his way to say that today, everyone else in the West got better. And, um, and everyone in the Pacific got better. That was the other thing you pointed out. Yeah. And if you look at it too, it's like, look at the Lakers. You've got all these teams, all these players that you're adding to your roster. You're still 13th man or whatever they are. Like it's going to take a pretty big effort to go there. Like the Kings could go 500 the rest of the way and still be in a really good position to be able to, you know, get in the playoffs, maybe host a playoff series. But I think it also bears kind of saying here that the, you know, the, the, the sins of the past 16 years doesn't fall solely on this front office and they have to position themselves to not just get in the playoffs, just getting in the playoffs is not good enough. And they, they've, that may be a goal, but uh, you want to sustain playoff success. So um, I get the frustrations, but I think they're going to look hard. And as someone just mentioned about Dwayne Dedman, I think they're going to look hard at the, at the, at the, uh, at the market, the, the buyout market and see what could be available. But uh, again, I don't think they saw anybody out there that uh, that got moved today that they couldn't get uh, and i think that in terms of what they were giving up i think they they chose to not give up as much as some other teams did but i also think they went for some pretty aggressive moves i think look toronto didn't move anybody in fact they added on jakob hurdle jakob hurdle so this is a team that everyone thought was going to be a, a seller and they weren't they bought so um yeah man interesting interesting day that's for sure okay I get what you're saying with a lot of that, but like Brennan and I were going through some of these trades. Like you don't think that like if the Kings would have made a move, like they would have jumped in and been the third team in the Matisse Thibel trade two days ago, they could have used a $4 million trade exception Two two second round picks. Isn't something you would give up for a, for a 28 game rental of Matisse Thibel with the, with the potential to have him as a restricted free agent and Larry Bird rights to him? Well, I mean, I think you have to look at the entire move, too. I mean, wasn't McDaniels a part of that? Well, yeah, um, but the Kings could have been the third team and not Portland. Yeah, but who who's going out? 
and do they want any of the people the other player going out and they gave up Svi Michaela to uh to Charlotte who was likely to get waived right yeah so so realistically it only came down to Charlotte getting a second round pick for Jaden McDaniels and uh Philadelphia saving a bunch of money but getting uh two second rounds for Thibel so we're literally talking about two second round picks for Thibel and I'll even make this argument. Like I, people keep saying, "Oh, well, he probably would have only played like twelve minutes." There's nothing to say he would have only played twelve minutes. He could have easily worked his way into a situation where he's playing twenty minutes alongside uh, Malik Monk in in a backcourt or at the three um, off the bench. Like I, I think there. Are, and if you have some sort of injury, he could play more than that. I mean, he's a guy who started and played major minutes, and he's only twenty five years old. Um, and then the other trade we were looking at is uh, the Plumley deal. The Plumley was Reggie Jackson at $11 million straight up for Mason Plumley, and they gave a second-round pick. Two. Uh, for, to, no, two no, seconds. just one. Two we, seconds. I, I went through two and seconds. I looked. It's two seconds on, the, on, on uh, Mason Plumley. For sure? Because yeah. I could have sworn I looked at the deal. I looked at it about 20 minutes ago. It was, it was Reggie Jackson, who was expiring, I believe. And there was they ended up with two seconds, okay. In that deal, uh, the, what I had seen was one, um, and it was wasn't even a good second. It was a 2028. It's second. 2024 and 2029, if I'm not mistaken. I think it, you're that's a thibel 2024 and 2028. That that's a thibel. Yeah, I'm almost positive that they only got. I think it's just uh, a 2028 second. It's a 2028 second for Plumley, and, and they actually took on two million dollars in salary, and then they waived. They're they're going to do a buyout with Reggie Jackson, right? But again, like three second round picks, and you could have bolstered with Thibel and Plumley. Maybe that's not earth shattering, but it's also not necessarily accurate that you could have done that. You know what I mean? Like those are that's that's what other teams have made. That's not necessarily what what you could have done. You know, um, that's a question for Monty McNair. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, it, I I think there is going to be some like some interesting questions for him. Um, and he, we did get an email on that, right? We are having a conversation with Monty yeah, at some tomorrow. Point. Correct. Yeah. Tomorrow at noon. At noon. Yeah. 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 So, so anyway, um, yeah, or I, 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 so, some of the other small ones, just to throw them out there, names we've heard like Darius yeah. Baisley going for a first round uh, or a, sorry, a future second round pick and Dario Saric, you know, like um, Thomas Bryant getting acquired for, second round picks like as a backup center that's not somebody necessarily we had circled or anything but like there's there's a handful of, of examples in my mind of small moves even if you want a, a bigger like Sadiq Bay for five second round picks I know that's a lot of second round picks Sadiq Bay has some interest like I don't know there's a handful of moves that you could look at and I think that people could reasonably say I would understand if people looked at certain moves and were like I wish that the Kings were on the other side of this but obviously to Sean's point, it takes two to tango, like the, the matching salary and difference in who matching salary is and things like that play a big part here. What picks are involved. The Kings have their own that we've walked through uh, earlier. James did except two of them. They have the Indiana 23, which is a pretty good second round pick Dallas 24 and 28, and then a Portland 2025. Um, so there's variance with everything there, but I think there's a handful of small deals here where it's like, I would understand people looking and saying they wish they were the Kings on the other side. Is five second round picks a new first round pick? That's just wild to me. Like, <laughs> I, like what in the, like 
who's throwing around five second round picks? What is happening here? Like, and it happened multiple times. Weren't there like two or three deals with uh, Jay Crowder went for five second round picks? Um, and then on top of that, there was like a four second round pick deal as well. Josh Richardson. Uh, oh, and then that's right. That's right. So the Josh Richardson deal is slightly unique because I mean, basically it's the same deal. If they, they would have like, if the Kings would have tried to move Rashawn Holmes in that deal, uh, Richardson is at like 12 million. Uh, but you basically paid for, for a four second round picks for someone to take the additional 25 million owed for Devonte Graham over the next Correct. two years. Yeah. Um, and again, like there's a possibility that there was conversations there. We don't know uh, when it really comes down to it, whether like Rashawn Holmes, Rashawn Holmes and Devonte uh, Graham are, their contracts are almost identical and we could argue who's a more functional player at this point. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, like either way, like that's a lot to give up, but it's really not if you consider getting out from underneath $25 million in salary cap and salary over the next two years. I think that's pretty, like, again, if the Kings could have dumped Rashawn Holmes on, like in a deal like that, where they got a functional player this year, but realistically got two years of no more, you know, that would have freed up a bunch of cap space for this summer when, you know, they could actually be a, a bigger player than they actually have an opportunity to do. Yeah, and I, th- I think, look, if, if someone wanted Rashawn Holmes, respectively, he'd have been gone. He'd have been traded. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, okay, so where do they go from here? Uh, we walked into uh, practice today, and it was actually really festive. Like, I don't know, it, it would seem like fun, right? Uh, we had Monty and Wes over in the corner. There was uh, a lot of music going on. Like, it, it's something that, I, I don't know, even like last year, Brendan, I don't think you got to see because of the weird um you know we were still under covid constraints so you didn't get to see like the day after trade deadline where this is usually what it's like once a trade deadline passes it's such a tremendous stress on every single person in the room except for maybe darren fox who just doesn't care um he's worried about other things that's that's something that i think we we saw today but uh but still he could feel it like around the room he said they didn't talk about it they didn't talk about the trade deadline but Still, like today, you could see everyone had a bounce in their step. Um, Sean, you noticed that as well, no? Yeah, I mean, I think they're feeling good after that season-long road trip. I mean, they're back four and three. Um, they think they definitely got lucky in the final game in Houston. Um, so they're very, very lucky to be four and three and not the other way around. And, uh, yeah, they know that it's going to be some tough sledding. And uh, they know it's on them to not only – show that that you know they're worthy of this three seed and go out and contend and uh take advantage of some of this equity they bought by being what is it eight games over 500 who'd have thought we'd be talking about that but um kind of is it, did i get that wrong how many how many games over 500 at this point they're eight eight yeah yeah i mean they i think they're feeling good about it. i think they they know that it's on them to you know show that they're worthy of that and that it's no fluke and i think they're looking forward to it and you know def- defense is still a uh, big big question mark on this team they've shown moments i think mike brown pointed out the, the the three stops that they got in the final game to steal that win in houston and he's right and i think uh you know i was able to hear jay triano on the radio uh earlier today and they're you know really put a lot of uh stock in the fact that they were able to show that they could be a top five defense fence for a very small sample size just to show that hey when things uh when 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 
rubber meets the road and they 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 want to do it they are capable of doing it so maybe it doesn't have to be 28th in the league or even 23rd but if you could crack that top 20 i've been saying it for a long time it'll go a long way with the way this offense is known to play my my biggest question guys and maybe i'll just ask you because i, I asked uh, both uh fox and and mike brown today and they both kind of went back to the defensive side of things but i'm wondering if there's some concerns that have bubbled up on this road trip that may have might need some uh, correcting or some attention on the offensive end. Um, I know they're not worried about what, what happens on the offensive end, but over the course of this uh, road trip, and maybe we can just chalk it up to that, that just it's the road trip and you kind of get into the all-star break and that'll, that'll kind of cure a lot of ills. But uh, I, I I've seen some things I'm not a big fan of on the offensive end over the past week or so. Yeah, that can't vary at all. This team has to, sort of make their money on the offensive end and that's what's going to carry them. The defense just has to be not bad enough that it's losing them games. Like top five for extremely small sample size is great, but it's, it's offense that's really going to carry this team. And I, I think that shots just kind of weren't falling. I've been surprised at how often we can say that for this Kings team that has so many good shooters, but I think that the variance in pace stood out to me a lot from game to game, even kind of quarter to quarter. And that's not only full court, I think within the half court, just sprinting through all of their cuts and and drives and just staying quick and locked in on offense. I, I think executing in a fast manner is really important and looked a little tired in my mind at the end. And it, it's a long road trip. Like coming out in four and three is not the most ideal, but that's not a horrible way to come out of a seven game road trip. And yeah, I think that from here on, they just need to continue what their identity is. I don't think that we can expect at this point for there to be some massive shift. You still want, obviously, improvement on the defensive end, but I think that they just need to keep doing what they have been. And and the postseason experience is going to be the important thing, but just maintain being one of the best offenses in the league and, and do what you can on the defensive end. Yeah, Sean, if I'm looking at what I agree, like it's look clunky. Um, they're just not moving the same. Uh, Kevin Herter's legs clearly are, you know, he needs a break. He could really, really use his break coming up. You can see like he's struggling to come off the DHO at the top and, and turn and pivot and, and get a shot up. That's accurate. Sometimes he looks great. Other times like there, he's just not like the same player he was, uh, as far as like in, in the month of December when he was actually playing really well. Um, he's had some ups and downs, but I, you know, the same with Keegan. Keegan had like a three-game stretch where he couldn't buy a bucket at all. And when this team stops hitting shots, uh, it it's become an issue that some guys just don't do other things, and they need to make sure that when they the shot isn't falling, that they're aggressive, uh, getting rebounds, you know, making passes for their teammates, uh, just doing the extra things. And you know, we've kind of seen again the ups and downs of Harrison Barnes, like where again, I think last night he had two rebounds total. And that's been something that's kind of been a, a trait over the last couple of weeks. And this whole thing, like this team is they're They're fun to watch. Um, I'm still not on board saying that they're a great team or they're a really good team. Um, but they do when they're on, when they're playing well and they're locked in on offense, they're, they're a ton of fun to watch. And they can beat anybody on any given night. They just, you know, like over the course of an 82-game season, it's really hard to maintain that. They look to me like a team that 
seven games, Fox leaving, you know, some of the guys having like completely hitting the wall and then climbing over it, I think is what we saw with Keegan Murray, uh, you know, where he stopped hitting shots completely for like three games, 0 for 8, 1 for 7, um, like over 1 for 6 or something like that. Like it was bad for like three games. And then he comes out of it and sets the Kings, you know, season rookie record with eight makes from three. Um, yeah, I just feel like like they're beat up, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, question for you guys. What teams to you from the moves that were made this deadline do you feel like you look at now and are like, I'm expecting this team to pass the Kings in the standings? I think Phoenix is the obvious one, right? Kevin Durant, obviously huge. Dallas? Two games below the Kings? I don't know. I think it's going to, I mean, are we expecting Luka back before the All-Star break? I mean, I think that's kind of a question mark. Um, I, I hope he's back selfishly to be able to watch him here in, in Sacramento at one of these two games. Um, but it's not trending that way. I think the Clippers for sure. I think the Clippers are going to, you know, I think they were already headed that way, to be honest. Like I, I figured they'd uh, get better than the Kings. The, the Grizzlies, I think, added exactly what they needed. It wasn't OG Ananobi, but they got Luke Kennard, who, you know, led the league in three-pointer one year. And he's definitely a sniper. It's kind of what they needed. I think the buyout market could be another option for them to even bolster their roster. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to – I still maintain that I don't think they're going to fall into the play-in tournament. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm pretty encouraged by what we've seen of this team – even when they're bad, I just don't see them falling that far down. Um, but if you're top six, that's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty impressive, nonetheless. I agree with that. That like if they they can hold on to a top six, that's amazing. Like that's that's the key at this point, and that's where I'm like, I wasn't looking for them to make moves that made them a top one two. I was looking for them to make moves that would stop them from dropping to seven, because once you get to seven, like all bets are off. Like again, it's that the plans, not the playoffs and you're going to be looking at some really, really good teams. There's potential for great teams that are still trying to find themselves or who have found themselves in the second half just to climb up to that spot where they're going to play in the play in. And that's where I think the Kings need to avoid. We have to like the, the top of the West and the bottom of the West and where the Kings are, it's only separated by a couple of games. And so it's not like they're way up above everyone. Like almost everyone has 30 wins, 29 or 30 wins in the West. Kings are at what, 31, which is so stunning. Um, this is it, this surpassed last season's win total. It matches the two Walton years uh, where he won 31 games, but in 72 game seasons. So those were seasons where they were pacing to win more like 35. Um, and, you know, Sean and I have covered the team for a long time. And my this is my 13th season. I've only seen the Kings win 33 games twice. <laughs> the George Carl year and the where they won 33 and the 39 win season under uh, Dave Yeager. So they're like really, really close to like surpassing with with 25 games left. They should get above the. uh the George Carl year, or at least come close to it. You're going to pop a bottle when they get to 34, aren't you? (laughs) No, if they get to 41, 41? I I might pop a bottle. (laughs) Like if they, they actually break 500 or match 500, that would be stunning. Cause I've never seen, 
you know, even the Jaeger year, they could have won 40, but Jaeger pulled everybody in the final game just to be, you remember, what did they score? Like 82 in the first half against Portland and lost. Yeah. And then I think Anthony Simons and Caleb Swanigan went crazy, if I remember right. And Scal. There's only six yeah. players that played for Portland. I, and I think I'm still in the minority about that. I said, who cares? <laughs> like, who gives Well, them? I didn't care either. Yeah. No. No, but I mean, there were some people in that in that organization that were very upset about that. Oh and yeah, they got they got very very dude, you angry. Got a, practically a thirty point lead. You're going into the off season. Most of your players don't usually play in that final game anyway. When you're out of it, it was I was that was some clown shit right there. I couldn't believe that people were that pissed off about it. Yeah, Jaeger definitely. Uh, he went out with a with a middle finger held high. That's that. That was his. I'm on Dave's side there. Yeah, I am too. I am too. I mean, I thought it, it was it was an interesting night. I was up in Portland for it because there was potential for the Kings. Again, they were like in a battle, and then they fell off really hard at the end. Uh, they, it didn't you know, matter. yeah, they ended up what seven games, eight games out uh, behind the the eight seed. They would have been like they would have been in the play in, and the play in was was a thing. Then they would have been the number nine seed. Oh yeah, the play in. Yeah, if it was around. Uh... And and they would have, uh, I think they would have played <laughs> Portland, right? If I, no, maybe not. Hmm. I can't remember who it was going to be. Yeah, that's a good question. Who they would have played? Someone um, in the chat's got to know. Yeah, yeah. We, we're not going to go back and, and look at it, though. I'm not going to go look it up. No. Um, okay, so we've gone through like, it, it's a good question. Was there anyone else that you guys feel like took some major leaps and bounds at the All Star break that you kind of look at and go? Mm. I mean, the one to me that stood out. Um, aside from obviously the obvious, which, you know, Phoenix, we talked about some of the ones in the West, but in the East, like, I, why do I picture Jay Crowder being brilliant for Milwaukee? I just really think that's going to be a hell of a pickup for them. Yeah. If no, he's still I, alive, I'm like, have, has anybody yeah, heard sure. from Jay Crowder? What is, yeah. We yeah, need him holding up. What shape paper. is he in? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good question. Like what kind of shape is he in and is he ready to play? How how about uh, the Warriors though? I mean that mm-hmm. that to me now. Granted, look, Steph's going to probably be gone greater part of a month, if not more, um, maybe ten to twelve games. Luckily, you got the All Star break in between to you know kind of rest, and and we still don't even know what the hell the injury is going to be completely. They still haven't come out and I mean you, you, they had the you had the what it, what the injury was called, but they said they would have a timetable later on in in the coming days, and we're still waiting on that. So did um, you look it up, Sean? Did I look up the the injury, Steph's injury? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I those I had never heard those names and in in those words in my life. It's I one even, of the the strangest injuries I've ever seen, which is weird. It, yeah, and it's technically for people who don't know, like it's they're partially torn ligaments, which is really what every sprain technically is. Yeah. Uh, it's, if you, depending on how serious of a sprain you have, you have partially torn ligaments in there. But um, I've never heard of that part of the body, and even funnier. Uh, having our, our shout out our guy Eric Rucker here at Fox 40 who had to say that on the air and he butchered it so oh, oh <laughs> yeah that's 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 brutal um yeah yeah so the uh where the the fibula tibia which is a little one um uh, i think the little one is a fibula where the fibula attaches below the knee not where it attaches at the ankle he pulled the ligament that's in between the bone the the uh fibula and the knee that's where the injury is tibial fibular ligaments right i got that down yeah 
tib superior tibiofibular ligament. Yeah, the superior is is like where we're going up high, like the yeah. upper one. And so those are the partial tears and inter <laughs> interosseous. I, I don't even know how to say it. Membrane. Yeah. I got some sort of membrane as well as a contusion to the lower leg. So it's yeah. just all kinds of nasty in there. Okay, so yeah, the fibula is a small one. So it's the fibula. It's on the this side. It's not this dude got shin splints. <laughs> in the chat, I'll pull over. It's not shin splints. It's not. It's right below the knee. That bone pulled away Supreme from kneecaps. the knee, and uh, yeah, so he's definitely. Uh, it's you know it's weird. Like Sean, you're like we don't know like how long he's gonna be out. You know why? Because no one has ever had this. Like it's. Like the first time I've ever seen this injury in any professional sports that I've watched, like you see people break it, you see them tear their ACL or the PCL or the MCL, like you can you can meniscus tear all that stuff. I've never seen someone actually injure this particular thing in in his body. And, so, and there's a membrane, and I was like, is there a flux capacitor as well? There like, might be a flux capacitor. Sense. Yeah, I don't. Does get Brandon it. know what the flux capacitor he has is? No idea what that is. I do I not. We lost him on the flux. The flux capacitor, Brendan, <laughs> is attached to the DeLorean that Michael J. Fox uh, drives in Back to the Future. The flux capacitor is what allows them to go back in time, right? We had a, we had a good start, but I've never seen any of those. Marty McFly. You've Back never seen those? No. Obviously, I get some references, but no, never seen them. You were doing mm. so well from the, the I know. earlier. Uh, and for people who just got here, we were talking about Steph Curry's injury. Um, I, I kind of like what they did. Again, like they brought back a player that has made a lot of sense to them uh, in the past in, in Gary Payton II. I thought that's a guy that the Kings could like sneak in and try to swipe at the last second because he does have such a uh, tie to uh, Mike Brown. And he's more of like we've talked about like the Tony Allen type player. He's more Tony Allen than like Matisse Thibel. Like he he does have some offensive game and like the verticality and and the craziness that he does. He he was so crucial to them in their run last year in winning a championship, uh, especially in the playoffs. Especially when somebody like Jordan Poole kind of went the other way for the majority of the postseason, and it was just a shame they weren't able to keep him because of the way the way their luxury tax. And I say that respectfully to the players in that locker room. They all make a ton of money. They have luxury tax. Everyone should be so lucky. Every fan base should be so lucky to have a, a dynasty like them. But um, it it was at least they, I mean, they went out and corrected the wrong. They're like, all right, we're going to admit we screwed up on James Wiseman. And I don't, I mean, it just couldn't get the guy on the floor. And you admit that you, that that's kind of a bust and you had to move on. And you're bringing back a guy, essentially lose Wiseman and gain the guy that was so crucial to you last year. And you're hoping you can get just as far uh, and, and, and try to, you know, just survive until Steph gets back and then make a push. So um, even if they get a little bit lower in the, in the playoffs, I, it, they're going to be a team I wouldn't want to see. Yeah. I, I don't think the Kings, and that's part of that group of players that I, that group of teams that I was talking about, you don't want to fall down into the, that range. Um, it's interesting because Wiseman, um, he was, he made, I want to say it was 9 million this year. And then, 11 million or 12 million next year and by trading him they would have saved i think it was 131 million dollars in luxury tax and that's just like astronomical but then 
they took on Gary Payton, who makes 8.3 this year and 8.7 next year. So they might still end up saving like $20 million in luxury tax, but it's not going to be the type of savings that they would have done if they would have uh, been able to just jettison Weissman for nothing, which I thought was what they are going to do. That was pretty wild. Um, okay, so we went over who we thought, like, do we have winners and losers? Like, I, I don't usually do grades. Are you giving the Kings a losing grade? Yes. You are? Yeah, I mean, like, I... I I think uh, the great John Bull uh, on on uh, the Kings fan, uh, you know, he's he's a big. I think he gave them a DNP uh, <laughs> like GM, like it did not uh, did not participate. Uh, general, general manager, manager decision. decision. I thought that that was spectacular, and like, look, I, like you're sitting there at the third seed and I don't know that there's a way for the Kings to hold on to the third seed with what some of these other teams did. You never know. But don't you get credit for that too? I mean, again, I'm not trying to be, look, I'm not trying to be an apologist for the organization or anything like that. But I, again, you knew you, you came to the decision. You weren't going to go out there and in your eyes overpay for some of these pieces that you may or may not like some a little bit more than others, you know, like not everything ends at this, mid-season trade deadline it does for this season i mean you do have a buyout market you can see what happens there um but again i think they're playing the long game here and that's what every team should be doing um they've already shown the ability to reach the third scene and, and kind of sustain it for the better part of a month um sometimes the best moves that you make are the ones you don't and they weren't gonna they weren't gonna be desperate like some of these other GMs that were out there trying to save jobs. I mean, if you're the Clippers, look, you had to go out and do that. You've got Kawhi Leonard and you've got Paul George and you were headed towards, I mean, you were trending in the right way, but you still don't have Kawhi Leonard in a place where you can play him back-to-back nights, you know? And I think Paul George has had a nice season and I think everything was trending the right way and they went out and they were aggressive and they didn't have to get rid of someone they really liked, like, you know, a Terrence Mann. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. The Lakers... Okay, like I'm not, I'm not floored by anything that they've done. Um, obviously, KD is in the West now, and so is Kyrie Irving. Okay, we'll see how the resurgence works there. Uh, the Pelicans, do they get better? They get better by virtue of Zion Williamson returning to their team, right? Josh Richardson's a nice pickup, but he's not going to be sure. the difference in anything. No. He's just added depth. Yeah, and I yeah. think again, like Mike Connolly for. D'Angelo Russell, I like him better there, but I'm not sure that that's going to move the needle on that team at all. Um, that really does all come down to cat and a team uh, that has lost a lot of games, man. You're talking about New Orleans, like a, a team that has lost a lot of games. And so all these teams are trying to catch up to where the Kings are. And they've been able to take advantage of a lot of these teams early on. Can they sustain it? We'll see. But, you know, it's not about this season. I mean, it's, it, it really is. You're going to look at, you're going to look at the off season and you hope to be able to build upon your success for this year. And look, there's no guarantee you make the playoffs next year. I, I get that. But um, to me, this is all kind of part of the plan. They might be playing with some house money right now, and they didn't uh, They didn't fall for the trap. I don't believe in house money. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, so, so I used to gamble way too much when I was young, and I was playing in Reno one day. I was playing blackjack, and I was on a roll, and this uh, degenerate gambler, like— <laughs> said, hey, do me a favor. I'm like, yeah, what's that? He's like, go cash out right now. 
And I'm like, well, I'm not done playing. He goes, go cash out right now and then pull like 40 bucks out of your pocket, buy more chips and start over again. I'm and like, I hope the answer to, I hope that your retort to him was mind your goddamn business. No, I worry about exactly, your money, I'll worry about exactly my money. Exactly what he said. And I went out, I cashed in my money. I ended up with like 400 and something bucks in my pocket. I pulled 40 bucks out. I started over and I started grinding and building my stacks again. He's like, see, now you're only in 40 bucks and you got 400 bucks in your pocket. So there's something to like at a certain point, you have to understand that like house money doesn't, when you've missed the playoffs for 16 consecutive seasons, there is no house money. Like this team is, is four games out of the 11th spot. There is no house money. Like if you can make your team better without mortgaging everything, then you should do it. That's just my opinion. Like I, I'm stunned. Like if this roster was perfect and they just weren't playing well, they were just missing shots or they were still learning, that's one thing. We all can see that this roster isn't perfect. Monty McNair, there's no way he can't see that this roster isn't perfect. So that's where I'm at. Like I, I think that if you can make your team better at the trade deadline, even if it's a small one or two person move, I think not only do you owe it to your fans, you owe it to your coach, and you owe it to the players that have worked their ass off to get you in this position. Because like, there's no way, if you were really to ask De'Aaron Fox and Amonis Sabonis, hey, would you have preferred to have at least some reinforcements? They would have said, yeah, hell yeah. Go get me somebody. Like We need it. We, we need help pushing over the top here. That's just my opinion. So, Brandon? No, I definitely get where you're coming from. I mean, I sat here and said before that I would understood if they made no moves. I, I will say, like, I think that Kessler Edwards is the new Robert Woodard, and I'm excited for that. Mm, calm um, down, buddy. But Just calm down. <laughs> I, like, I think it's, in my mind, the Kings are a good team. And as long as they don't fall out of six, which I still don't think they do, I think the Kings could go 500 the rest of the way and they would stay top six. And I think that's still a great outcome for this team. I understand the frustration for sure, looking at ev literally every other team in the Western Conference doing something, and the Kings not really doing anything. Um, I, I get the frustration. I just still think this is still a really good team. And a move to shore up the depth or fix the attempt to fix the backup center position, like, there's definitely clear holes that I, I think could have been addressed, but they are really good prior to this. And if they can maintain that, I still think they're in an okay spot. But understand the argument, I think, that you're presenting of, well, they could have done something to help reinforce that spot they're currently in. I yeah. like seeing all the uh, Westbrook comments in the chat only because that will make James Ham's head explode. I think all of ours, right? Russell Westbrook ain't walking through that door, people. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to bring up this before we get to final question. Um, the Kings' remaining strength of schedule. Uh, it's the third most difficult in the NBA. There are 28 games left. They have a 524 win percentage against, including three games against the Suns, three games against the Dallas Mavericks, two of which will be in the next two days. Uh, they still have the Bucks. They have the Nets, which is still on this list, which should not be on this list anymore. Um, but it is what it is. They have the Denver Nuggets. They have the Boston Celtics. Those are their toughest matchups. Um, like, it's a difficult schedule. The only uh, the two teams above them with the most difficult schedule 
76ers at a 537 and the Clippers at a 533. Uh, Can I point point something out real quick? Yep. Strength of schedule is important for sure. And yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough road. But I wonder if you factor in current record and there's got to be a way to do that. Like you've got the Kings eight games over 500 and here's their, the third toughest. They're not like if, like, for example, look at the way the Lakers have to go, right? Their strength of schedule, but they have to go like something like 20 and whatever to get, you know, to just inch their way up in order to finish where they need to. I wonder how that gets factored in because strength of schedule doesn't factor in current record. Well, no, it doesn't factor in your own current record and where you have to go to get to somewhere. Um, But I do think, like, this is something I think Brendan pointed out once before. It's really weird to see when you look at the strength of schedule on Tankathon and the toughest opponents for the Clippers. uh, Their fourth toughest opponent is the Sacramento Kings. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the New York Knicks, Sacramento Kings. Brooklyn, Sacramento Kings. Phoenix has three games against the Sacramento Kings. That's not typical to have the Kings. They're usually in the easiest opponent category. Um, (laughs) So I'm not used to seeing them on the left-hand column. uh, And just about every team in the league, the Sacramento Kings are listed as one of their remaining toughest teams that they have to play. I think that's that's cool to see uh, after so many years of not being in there. Um, So, okay, so let's get to the the last question, which I think is, like... uh, I personally don't believe means anything, but the buyout market, can the Kings help themselves in the buyout market? Um, so far, we're already seeing Reggie Jackson. Russell Westbrook is expected uh, to get bought out. Nerlens Noel is expected to get bought out. Um, I mean, I, to be honest, I'm not sure, but like there's a potential for like the Kings to do something and like buy out Alex Len. Um, like uh, who else Patrick around Beverly. the league? Oh, Pat Bev. Yeah. Potentially Danny Green. I don't know where he's at um, when it comes to his recovery. Like there's some, I don't know, there's some names that are intriguing when we're talking about like trying to get one more depth piece. Yeah. Sean? No, I mean, I I think I'd take a long, hard look at it. I mean, Serge Ibaka, I think, is another one. I don't even know that he can still run up and down the court. I saw him in Stockton last year trying to you know just get run with the clippers because the clippers weren't going to play him um <laughs> steve and brown it, steve brown in the chat says danny green is garbage can tra- garbage <laughs> can juice that's not very nice stephen brown juice, but juice man um you know i wasn't a big nerland's Noel fan uh at least to have to make a trade for but if you're getting him you know on the trash heap to keep the kind of garbage stuff going uh yeah i'm i'm sure if they feel that he can you know run the offense and uh and and be a difference maker defensively i just don't really again you're adding someone like him and i don't really see him factoring that that much i know there's tons of people who would love to see demarcus cousins in a king's uniform i don't think that's going to be happening and and probably shouldn't um look i mean as much as we all love boogie that guy would uh, he, he's not known as a defensive player and um, he's, you know, this, this offense is, is designed to be a pretty quick paced offense. It's also something I think about when I think of the likes of people bringing in Derek Rose. I mean, his lateral quickness is gone, not a defensive, you know, presence. Um, 
man, just a, just a lot. I didn't say I wanted JaVale McGee, my guy. <laughs> McGraths, I said. We're, we don't have Jason Jones on the show. If it was Jason yeah. Jones sitting there, he would be all over JaVale McGee. Is JaVale McGee getting bought out? I'm, well, maybe. I don't think so. I mean, he's got he's not playing, really. He's got people in front of him. So um, he was somebody and, I expected to be traded. Yeah, some inter- interesting names. Uh, Derek Rose. Um, there's potential there. John Wall. Uh, who will be bought out by the Houston Rockets for like the 14th time. I wouldn't touch Dwayne Dedman nope. with a 10-foot pole. I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not calling that guy. Uh, Terrence Ross. Uh, who was the other one that we mentioned earlier? Uh, Reggie Jackson. Will Barton. Will Barton's in, at least intriguing to me. Will Barton was pretty good last year. Uh, yeah, Dwayne Dedman, no. Um, okay, so if you're, if you're still here on uh, the YouTube side... Can you give us a thumbs up if you don't mind? Uh, that would help us. Uh, and if you're not a, a subscriber here on uh, the King's Beat podcast, um, you know, become a subscriber here on YouTube. Uh, also become a subscriber on thekingsbeat.com, uh, which is how we finance like much of our stuff here. Uh, anyway, um, outside of that, uh, do you guys have any questions you want us to answer? Uh, yes, I am looking forward to Rihanna's halftime performance. I know that's uh, pressing. Was that a question? Oh, I think it was somewhere in there. I may Some, have just made you're that just up. making that yeah. up, aren't you? <laughs> Thought about an hour ago. I uh, I had somebody. I, I I think it was on Twitter was asking me about the playlist. I'm like, guys, we're gonna find out very shortly. We'll see the playlist. She had her quote unquote press conference today, and I was locked into that. So it was pretty fun. Okay. Uh, Mini Lamb, bring on more guests. It's really tough to bring on guests when you have three uh, people co-hosting. And when we do have it where it's only two of us, it's usually at the last minute where something happens and we can't have one of us on, like on Tuesday when Brendan got sick. Um, so, like, Brent, Brendan and I are guests, and, and you, the listener, are the guest. We, we love you as guests. Yeah. Um, David B., do I actually read all those books? Uh, almost all of these Not books. A one. At, at some point, I have read uh, many of them behind me. There's a couple hour. Uh, there's a couple uh, behind me that I haven't read, but like there's you, a good uh, many of them that I have. You haven't lie. Read. You opened and read and looked at the pictures, read the jacket. Sean, I have a degree in U.S. history. Most of <laughs> no, these are U.S. history books behind me. Well, some of them were required reading. Um, uh-huh. I, I appreciate people in the chat pitching Keon Ellis minutes. I'm all for it. Yep. Okay. Uh, any update on an in-person happy hour? Um, you know what, Steven, like it's really, really difficult in season and it's not just like difficult to like find a day. It's difficult to like plan something like that where we have to go and like get someone to let us have space and all that stuff. What was so, the question? A uh, live happy hour. Oh, that's going to happen. We want to do a live happy hour for sure. But I think it's actually, it's probably something that might go really well, like right after the season where we do a live happy hour. Don't you think Uh, we're kind of overthinking it? Like it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, like we just, we just. I'm not inviting them to like to my house, Sean. Oh, damn it. That's how I would have gone up there. Just, just uh, open the, up last... the garage. You got enough boats. We'll, we'll fill that lake. We'll that we could just like go out on the lake, everyone for a happy what's, hour. What's the gate code? What's the gate code? Yeah, that's what's right. Um, <laughs> the last happy hour with Aileen Voisson, uh went like that was wild. We had a lot of people in the happy hour. So mm-hmm. I think at the height we had like ninety something, ninety two. Really? 
that's a lot of people to assemble on a Zoom call uh, for something that's just kind of like off, you know, an off the record happy hour. That's um, funny. People think I hate deer and fox's baby because his what? name is Rain. <laughs> because his name is Rain. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I did yeah. not understand that combo when it went flying by. It's a decent joke. That's that's well played. I like that. Got it. Good for, uh, think about that though. Like you knew he was going to be due around the All Star break, right? And I think it's just so. I mean, the world works in mysterious ways. What are the odds that you're going to have two days off? Three three days. Two games in Houston, his his hometown essentially, where his family lives, and there she is giving birth in his hometown. Uh, and I know they made a big deal about, you know, February third, twenty three, two three, two three, um, just really kind of quirky stuff. That that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool to see his reaction. You never know how. Like again, De'Aaron has a, a another son. He has a five year old. Yep. Um, so I don't want to, like, I think that's kind of been missed by some people. And I don't want to act like De'Aaron had never been through any of this before. He doesn't know. It. Like, De'Aaron's been through some of this stuff before. But, uh, like, to see his reaction with uh, in this situation has been pretty cool. Like, he's definitely overwhelmed by the situation. Uh, he spent three days in the hospital sleeping on a cot. Uh, so for those of you who are out there who are assholes and I blocked on Twitter because you were at, demanding that De'Aaron Fox play and that his personal issues were not bigger than the Kings winning a basketball game. Sorry. How many did you block? How many did you block? Uh, I think I only blocked two. And it may have been the same guy twice <laughs> <laughs> who just started another account, but it might have been more than two. I, I don't know. That's controlling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brendan, did you watch Super Tro- Troopers yet from Spencer in the chat? No I chance. did not. Did not license and registration. He didn't even, he didn't even watch life. <laughs> what? No, that was, I've not watched he, anything yet. Yeah. Oh man, you, you should put on Super Troopers. You won't be able you to stop a laughing. Assignment like it was due a month ago. Sean, did you see the text I sent you? When into the chat? You should look into the chat and see the text that I sent. The picture that I sent. It might be one of the greatest pictures oh. of all time. What are you talking about? Yeah, like on my phone. Yeah, on your phone. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, can I show that? No. Okay. No. We we can't embarrass him. <laughs> is that awesome. is that not hilarious? Pretty funny. That's my my youngest took a picture at soccer practice with one of his friends for picture day, which is hilarious. And they're holding uh, each other ever so. <laughs> um. Okay. What else do we got? Uh. Have you seen airplane? Yes, I've seen airplane. Sean has seen airplane. Brendan will um, not like it. We'll never Ralph know. doesn't Ralph doesn't like our movie bullshit talk as he calls it. Oh yeah, he doesn't like that. Um, okay, well, bye, Ralph. Kick rocks. Sean is a baby, a real baby hater from David B. That's not very nice. Not with nice your Dwight Schrute face. I love kids. And by the way, if you don't follow, the best Instagram follow on the gram <laughs> is kids get kids getting hurt. This fantastic. is not the first time I've oh, heard Sean so advocate fantastic. for this account. He's constantly telling kids people. getting hurt. <laughs> I could meet someone for the first time. I'll be, hey, Sean, five minutes in. Hey, do you follow kids getting hurt? <laughs> like, it is fantastic. And honestly, I don't follow this. Now I oh, have to follow it. Uh, look, kids are in remarkably resilient. Uh, no one really gets. <laughs> I have you know, kids. Forward. I know this, Sean. I don't yeah. know how you know this because you don't have kids. I learned from kids getting hurt on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm trying to pass on the good word. Uh, and and pullover, I am familiar with that uh, Reddit thread as well. It's fantastic. 
I don't know See, what that is. People but... are familiar. Go check it out. Um, okay, so let's get to this. Uh, do you think that Kata becomes a future backup for the Kings? Well, what do they mean by that? Like the backup? Like, like the... next season? No. I, I, maybe. I don't know. Next year? Yeah. Next year? No. I don't think so. I we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. But No, no offense if if that's true, you're not very good. Huh. You need okay. you need some more depth there. But well, maybe in a couple of years, sure. Okay. All right. Um do we have any others uh is there any credence to a buyout for Holmes contract? Man, I don't cold think so. Coldwater, I haven't heard that at all, and I have a really tough time thinking that the Kings, because basically we we did the math on this, right? He's owed almost twenty five million over the next two years, and so if you take the two years and then you stretch it, uh, that's you get twice as many years plus an additional year. So you could stretch his contract over five years, which would still be like four and a half million dollars a year that's a lot of dead cap space. And so not a lot of teams would do that. Uh, the salary cap is going up, so you never know. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. It was kind of, it, see, Meg says Sean's helium voice. Did it I was kind him? of, it was kind of a helium voice yeah. that you were giving us. Yeah. Someone asked about Cobra, the movie Cobra with, with Sly Stallone. I think I saw that when I was like eight years old. Uh, I do remember it being pretty badass. I should watch that again. It probably didn't age well, and Brendan won't like it. So never seen it. Yeah, Which movie? Cobra. Cobra, like the old movie Cobra. Yeah, not like Cobra Kai or anything like that. No, like, like Stallone well, Cobra. Yeah, that's what I said. It was Slice Stallone. Oh my bit. I, I miss that. I miss that. Um, I was reading to see if we had any more questions coming in. What, why um, did we want Brendan to get his hair? Cut? Yeah, what's up with this? <laughs> Somebody said, uh, I lost where it went, but they said if they'll get their haircut if I get mine. What type of haircut are we talking about here? That's weird. <laughs> uh, the uh, Peter Borges says the NBA needs the Bobby Bonilla rule. Um, yeah, wow. I, I don't know, man. Bobby Bonilla, what he gets, Cash it, 30 years, he gets uh, $1.3 million, $1.36 million. It's coming up soon. Bobby Bonilla Day is... Uh... I'm trying to remember what that is. Bonilla it's forever. July 1st is Bobby Bonilla. Each year on July 1st, the Mets must send $1.2 million in a check to Bobby Bonilla. Okay. Um, Ham, do I get along with Matt George? Yeah, me and Matt George get along fine. Um, why, why? Oh, did you guys fight? No, like, like we have a very different opinion on the trade deadline. Well, so do you and I, and we get along fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, like, we, we were on D-Lo and Casey today. And, like, there are some arguments that I think, I'm like, like it was separated? it was a good discussion. What's that? Did you have to be separated? No, he wasn't on the show. Oh. He also did show up wearing what looked like a macrame-like shawl. Oh, and he wasn't wearing a shirt. And he also had... He wasn't wearing a uh, shirt? He, he wasn't wearing a shirt. Uh, hairy chest out. And he was also wearing a beanie with the eyes and mouth cut out that was pink. And he kept what? saying that he was uh, Kyle Kuzma's brother or cousin. Um, and he actually, oh. we, he looked like, um, Sean, you'll know this, from Fat Albert, the guy who had mm -hmm. the ski mask yeah. pulled over his head. 
Well, I also know the the what he looked what Cal Kuzma looked like. So if he's trying to, that's what he was trying Kyle to do. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's trying to do. Amazon like Kyle Kuzma. That's what uh, I think D'Lo called him. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and Matt Shiesty. That was the other thing they called him. Do better, Matt. Do better. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He did look like a home invader. Pull over. He did. He looked like he was ready to go be a a home invasion. Brendan, invasion you weren't person. with us the other night. Are you feeling better? Yeah, you I'm feeling better. all right. What's this all yeah. like crap? You you showed up. You better if you feel better. You showed I up. I feel yesterday. amazing. I feel amazing. Okay. I really appreciate the fatherly advice. I needed it. And yeah. From who? Did I give you fatherly advice? You too. What did you I too. say? Constantly. <laughs> I do give you fatherly advice at times. Yeah. I, I, I think appreciate you, it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said in the chat earlier. Drink with me one time and it won't ever happen again. <laughs> He's like, he, I'm not doing that. We drink in the same area. Oh. <laughs> now there's a story there. Uh-oh. God, I guess I got to go back and listen to this D-Lo and KC episode. It was, it, was, it. it was interesting. When did it happen? Uh, like the 3 o'clock hour? Yeah, between 3 and 4. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, well, I think we're going to wrap this up because at this point we're just kind of wandering aimlessly through here. Oh, I love it. Um, how was your and, dinner? How was my, oh, my dinner was really good. Um and I'm going to shout out my people at, at Josephine's uh, in Auburn. It's incredible. So, uh, yeah, it was – and they also make this Tom Cog gimlet that's just, like, off the oh, charts. What's that? Uh, a gimlet is usually gin, and it's, it is gin. Uh, and I'm not a big gin drinker, but, man, it's smooth. Gin so headache. It's, it's really, really, really good. So – uh, I, I totally uh, recommend people go up uh, to Auburn every once in a while, and uh, there's some good restaurant spots. Tap and Vine is really good, which is uh, – they've been friends for a long time, and then Josephine's is really good as well. It's like French food. It's really good. So I had Panda um, Express. And, that's uh, not the same. Comparison, no. I think I lost the day. No, <laughs> no Gimlet in my – No in my Gimlet day. in, your, in your, your day? No. Oh, that's sad. Okay. Brendan, can you promise us a movie by by next week? No, I cannot. Why? No, I will try to Which get around. When I get around Oscars... to one, the next one will be life. I just the, have not watched a movie since. Like... The Oscars are around the corner, and I think it'd be funny to have you review all the films from Best Picture. That would take like three that would years. Be funny. <laughs> it would, but it would be funny. I don't know. I, like I did get through. What is it? Everything, everywhere, all at once. All at once. Yeah. Um, Which you did not do everything everywhere all at once because. It, you had, it, it took you. It took you multiple times to watch it. Just two sittings. It took two oh, sittings. How dare you, um, Brendan? I don't like. You should watch that one. It'll make your head spin. Yeah, it's one of those movies that like I don't know that you can totally recommend. Like I, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I don't know that I would watch it again, and I don't know that I would recommend it unless it was like the right person, the right frame frame of mind. I don't know. It's a bit. It's a bit wild and out there. Yeah, but uh, okay. So we Do we have to, any final thoughts? Do we yeah, have any final three, thoughts? Three home games in the month of February is pretty lame. How about yeah. space that out a little bit better, huh, yeah. And two, two of them. being back-to-back. Yeah, so once right. we get to to Sunday, the Kings will only have one more home game. Uh, who do you guys got in the Super Bowl? I'm going Eagles. I hate you. Get Why? out of here. Why? Because the Eagle, the, all the conversation between Eagles and Niners fans, I've grown such a hatred for the Eagles. I'm so uh, over it. So I, I may subscribe to a belief that you root on the team that beats you. 
Um, Why? It, it, it's Ugh. I'm look. No, nope. I know a lot of people don't like that. I I I do think that the Eagles have been the best team in football, uh, especially right now, next to the Niners. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I'm. Uh, think I'm. I think the Eagles are going to do it. I could be wrong. I have no problem being wrong. I'm wrong a lot. What's the score? Zero zero currently. <laughs> no, what do you uh, got? How about? Uh, I think it'd be a little high scoring. I'm gonna say thirty-two twenty-eight. Eagles. Ooh, Brandon. You can watch that right here on Fox Forty, by the way. Just oh, you know. there you go, Fox Shame Forty. There. Fox Forties. Yeah. Sean Cunningham. A lot. Yeah. Um. Do you know we'll where we go... halftime? Is that true? Wow. True. We'll go thirty-three twenty. Eight. I think I did the math that that's reasonable football scores, but that's what we'll go with. I got 31-20 Chiefs. Are you going Chiefs, Brendan? Yes. Yeah, I'm rolling yeah, with my dude. me out for taking the Eagles. Yeah, it's Mahomes. disgusting. I hate it. Yeah, my guy Mahomes. How, uh, many, uh, how many features in the Rihanna halftime performance? At I least three. For sure. Everyone thinks Drake. I don't think Drake. I think she's going to say kick rock. She doesn't want Drake on there. Oh. I don't know. I think Jay Z for sure, though. Maybe her and Eminem, they make you know make up a little bit. They had some uh, falling out. Oh, maybe might uh, see a little little of that. That'd be two consecutive Super Bowl appearances for Eminem, if possible. Probably Sean possible. is really big into this music scene on, on yeah. uh, yeah. I don't think we're gonna see Kanye, folks. I don't think. I think it's too soon on that one. I I did get like what do you got this there. Is, I got my Super Bowl ring, my second Super Bowl ring. I don't know that I showed it. <laughs> no, you There's... definitely showed it. This you definitely did. <laughs> no, I showed you guys, but I didn't show it on, on, on a on a pod. There's huh. the second. That's our second Super Bowl ring. Yep, it's it's up here on the shelf. Me and my son's Super Bowl rings, uh, from fantasy football. Uh, okay, I think that's gonna do it for this I edition so. of. Uh... Wait, do do we have final thoughts? We didn't have final thoughts. Brandon, final thoughts. What do you got? Um, I've been playing this Harry Potter game, and that's what? Where, where all my free time has gone. Video game just came out. You're it's kidding, right? It's a phenomenal game. No. On what? I play on Xbox. Pretty sure it's on every console. Okay. It is a phenomenal game. Okay. That's I know I uh, Matt Matt George was also playing. Um, no, uh, make crafts. I do not wear those rings everywhere I go. That would make me um, Del Rogers. Oh, come on, that stop. stop. <laughs> Who wears his own Super Bowl ring he everywhere does. he goes. And he lets you try it on, you know? He's, he, he lets it's you awesome. show that off. It's awesome. Um, uh, I don't really thoughts. have – I think I gave went through all my final thoughts. They're all they're all random, and you all know where my head's at. So okay. I'm glad the trade deadline is behind us, and hopefully people can just enjoy uh, Kings basketball and the success that they've had, and we'll see. Yeah, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, sorry, we're a little long-winded uh, tonight. Uh, I think we're exhausted. It's been a long like week with all of the the trade stuff, and we've been like burning the candle. And it is what it is. Uh, Dell has a killer limoncello recipe. Thank you. Oh, yeah? uh, I don't know. I think uh, he owns a restaurant or a bar. I gotta check with him. He, I think he still has his bar in Woodland or his restaurant in Woodland. Really? Yeah, he's good people, man. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat podcast. We will be back next week. Uh, the Kings, uh, we're going to probably take a, a like 
maybe a little bit of time off with the all-star break but not a ton uh we'll let you know uh sean are you going to all-star yeah i'll be an all-star uh we get there chris Tavares and i get there on friday morning we're trying to move our flight up a little bit because i think it has us touching down around noon and don't want to miss out on too much there but uh yep. shout out hassan minaj the davis uh native stand-up comic and actor and all-around good guy huge kings fan he'll be in the celebrity game oh i have another final thought how about this guys it's ufc related but he's a sacramento guy josh emmett uh going for ufc interim title in the featherweight division uh fighting y- yair rodriguez the featherweight division has been locked up by a guy named alexander volkanovsky for the past like six years emmett has worked his way up uh he's a sacramento guy he fights with team alpha used to be called team alpha male it's now called team alpha mma uh get with the times and uh yeah he's a sacramento native still born raised here in sacramento uh he's if he wins he gets the interim belt and if volkanovsky is going up to another weight class try to become the champ champ and if emmett wins he'll be able to take his interim belt against volkanovsky who and try to unify the belt so big time ufc uh fight this weekend and that's in australia so take a look at that he'll be lighting the beam soon whether he wins or loses he's a he's a pretty fantastic guy and uh big Kings fan love Sacramento. There we go. Um, that, and like people are asking, I have no idea when three point contest shoot, uh, people are getting announced. Um, I, I'm going to guess that the Kings don't have anyone in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think so either. Uh, and if they did, it would probably like, in all honesty, be Keegan Murray, who is already the Kings rookie season he broke uh bogdan bogdanovich's 129 made threes as a rookie uh he's already got like 130 131 uh and keegan is actually pacing to break the all-time nba rookie record uh set by donovan uh mitchell in 2017-18 which is 187 um, so he is pacing to get right at like 200, 201 threes on this season. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we also, we don't know about De'Aaron Fox and whether he will make the all-star team. Um, he would like to stay at home with the baby. He told us today, uh, his wife would love for them to have that experience and go to Utah, whether that happens or not, we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, with Steph Curry out of the game for sure, and Zion Williamson likely out as well, I would, he's got a shot. He's got a shot. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, cool. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat podcast. If you're still watching here on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Uh, if you're going to listen somewhere else, give us a rating and a review. Uh, if you want to support the King's Beat, jump on board with the kingsbeat.com. Do a premium subscription. You get all the invites to the happy hours and all that crazy stuff, which was this last one was really, really incredible and cool. Uh, Aileen talking about some crazy stuff at Bill Walton's house. It was, it was off. Oh like, God wild. damn it. It, it was yeah. wild. It was wild and crazy. Uh, but I just, uh, rem- I just remembered yeah. that dude, that we're not supposed yeah. to talk about it, James. You, we, we, we don't talk about the happy hour, uh, but oh, okay. God. That's going to, so we're four. Done. Fox 40, Sean Cunningham, and of course, Brendan Nunez from the King's Bulls podcast. I am James Hammer, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See you next week. 